Well, church, it is uh, good to be with you on this Labor Day. And as we mentioned, um, Mark and Nancy and uh, other staff members and church members are running the uh, half marathon in Bellevue, the rock and roll, um, to raise money for Team World Vision. And so you will get an update on all that um, we raised and the impacts that we're having. Uh, Not only as we did the Global 6K back in the spring, but continuing to say this is a part of the heartbeat of who we are uh, at Pine Lake, that we care um, for the orphan and for the widow. Um, And this is one of the ways in which we live this out in a very practical way. And so we look forward to hearing more from Mark and from Nancy and from the team that ran this weekend. Um, we are finishing up our bumper sticker faith, and I had, um, as I was preparing for this message, I had a, a memory come up, and we were talking about um, what does it look like to have faith, and talking about witnessing. Um, what is one thing that you really need when you go traveling in the airport? Beside your ticket, when you're going to TSA, what's that one thing that you have to have out at all times? What? Yeah, yeah, somebody said it, like your ID or your passport. It's really important. And this thing is really important. Like we carry it around all the time. And like maybe you don't have an ID or because you haven't not driving yet. Um, or maybe you have a passport. But this thing is really important because it verifies who you are to people who do not know who you are. Well, Ashley and I were traveling. We were in Florida. We were heading back to Texas. And we got all of our bags checked. And we walked over to TSA. And we got in there. And my wife, we're getting right, you know, you get closer. You don't pull it out right away. You get closer. And then all of a sudden, we're almost to, uh, to where they check the ID. And my wife goes, I don't have my ID. Has anybody ever tried to go through the airport without an ID? Like, It's just unheard of, right? And then you're that person that now has the experience. But you know something amazing? You actually can travel without your ID. I wouldn't advise it, but what happened is my wife went up to him and be like, we don't have an ID. I didn't have any, and I was like, oh, well, um, this, is, this is a problem. I was like, I know this is a problem. You're supposed to help me fix this. Um, and so the way that they ask you to fix this is they pull you out of line. So, like, not only embarrassing, but they pull you out of line. And then all of a sudden, they have a couple t- TSA agents, and all of a sudden, then they split you. Right? And then so all of a sudden, they hand—I uh, see them hand my wife a phone. And she starts talking, and then they come over to me, and they hand me a phone. And I'm like, I have no idea. They don't prep you for any of this. And they're like, I'm like, hello. And they're like, this is Agent blah, blah, blah with Homeland Security. And I'm like, Because oh. you, as you get to know me, here's the thing to think about and know about me. Whenever we cross the border or go through customs, whether I'm driving, I do not do this. I clam up. Like, I don't know why. Like, I'm the person that you're just asking normal questions, but I, like, freeze up, give too much information, and then, like, uh. So I always pull over, make an extra stop, get out of the driver's seat, put Ashley in the driver's seat whenever we're crossing the border or going anywhere. Like, it's not me. It's not my gifting. It's just not. And so then I'm here, like, this is not my doing. And I'm like, ugh, just remember your ID. And so I'm talking, and they're asking all these personal questions. Like, where does she live before and previous? What did she do? What high school? What middle school? And I'm thinking, man, I better answer these wrong, because if I don't, I feel like in the movies they're going to put us in an undisclosed location, and you will never hear from us again. 
right, in the post-9-11 era. Like, you will never find us again. And I just kept thinking about that. Like, what? And we're talking about this idea and this bumper sticker that we're going to pop up on the screen is, like, what what does it look like um, for us to represent, to bear witness to Jesus? Or even more so, like, if you had a couple things on there, like you had our logo, uh, which is uh, evidently, uh, you'll be happy to know that there are a couple of secret agents that are out there that are putting this uh, Pine Lake logo on everybody's car right now, so you get a free gift if you have parked in our parking lot today. Good. Um, Some of you are actually really nervous, and I saw you look at your car and wonder if that's really happening. Don't worry. Uh, It might or might not happen. I have full deniability. But that question is, like, what do we do when you put on that Jesus fish? Like, it's been on for, like, three decades. I wonder um, how many people, if you're going to look around this week, if it'll just pop up. But this idea of what does it look like um, to be a witness to Jesus, and even the most, like, normal ways, not having outlandish bumper stickers that are crazy— but just a normal fish sticker. What does it look like for us to be witnesses? And we're talking about this idea this morning. Uh, this big idea says, can I get a witness? Like, can I just get a witness for a moment? Can we bear witness to who Jesus is, uh, not only in our life, but us as Pine Lake? And as that question is like, what witnesses are we offering when people go around and they see the logo on my car and maybe a couple other cars on our staff members who will be put on there and who maybe don't have it on their car right now will be remain nameless, Kim Witherby. But, um, <laughs> but what does it look like to bear witness? And so we want to, uh, to be in Acts, to look in Acts of what it looks like, what Jesus calls, and what he expects from his uh, disciples as they bear witness. So if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 1, right at the beginning, um, if you have your Bible, I always encourage you to pull, to, to have it out with you, to read it, to see it face to face, as we are actually in it together. If you have a digital version, that's great as well, but it'll also be on the screen. So this is Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says this, Um, After his suffering, he presented himself to them, the disciples, and he gave them convincing proofs that he actually was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. You have heard heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going to do, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, kind of like we talked about last week, it's not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my disciples, or you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we, um, we invite you into this space, in this place. God, just that, gen- that easy gesture of saying, God, you have access here in this moment, not only to my life, God, but I ask for the lives around us who are gathered here, present, but those who are at home. God, I pray that you will allow us to take that posture, that you have space in our lives, 
to speak in just normal terms, not ways to blow us out of the, out of the water, but just as a friend, sit around the table and speak clearly to us. So God, I ask that this morning that you would send the Holy Spirit to rest upon us so that we might know what it looks like to be your witness. I ask this in your name. Amen. I want you to do something right now. I want you to turn to your neighbor, like literally do this. Turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell something true to them. Tell something true about them to them. So tell them a truth about who they are. Do it right now. Like do that. Like talk, 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 talk. Just, just bear, just, just say something. I mean, it could be something easy, physical. It could be something like deep and meaningful. Blow them out of the water. Just speak. Right, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is so awesome. Yes, speaking to one another. This is so good. You know what? Hey, can we all give yourselves a round of applause? You did it. Hey, guess what? You bore witness to one another. We're done. You can go home. Okay, I saw somebody get up, but he went back to his seat. Good. Thanks, Curtis. Uh, No, seriously, like, that is literally what we're talking about, is bearing witness to one another means looking at each other and telling truths about who you know the other person to be. When we're thinking about what does it mean to bear witness and what we're doing and bearing witness to Jesus, what we're doing to one another and to ourselves and that Jesus does to us, just like a friend sits at the table with you and he bears witness to who you are and who he is to you and that you do it to one another, what he's doing and bearing witness is saying, I know this to be true about you. And when we're going and asking this to be disciples, Jesus is saying, this is what I want you to do. This is the point and goal of all of this that I'm preparing you for. I'm about to leave. Is that you will be able to bear truth to one another about who Jesus is. So what are you bearing truth to? What truth are you bearing to one another here in church and to those that don't know Jesus? Are we saying that Jesus is the king of this kingdom? That it's not the little, the pastors on those mega churches or different leaders or influencers in Christianity, but that Jesus is actually the king of the kingdom, right? Are we saying he is our Messiah, he is our savior, he is the thing that we put all of our hope in. All of our eggs are in the Jesus basket, that's the truth. I know nothing else. Or maybe for you it's to say, like, he has set me free from all shame, sin, and oppression, the weight that I felt on, the truth that I bear to one another, that I am free. If you know me before, you knew me as someone riddled with anxiety, depression, shame, and all these things, and Jesus has set me free. Or maybe some of you are saying, he has made me new. Or he has made me new that he has caused me to live a life full of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, that I'm full of hope, I'm full of love, I'm full of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all these things that I bear witness. If you knew me before and you knew me now, you would be able to say that this is who I am in Jesus. 
But how do you bear? Like, you just did it to one another. You looked at each other in the eyeballs, right? It's easy to say, you're my husband, or you're my wife, or you're my sister, or you're my brother, like, you're my child. You're those things. But how do we represent to somebody else? This is the question I get all the time. How do we testify and witness to a Jesus that people can't see? How do you do that? Well, Jesus right here says two things that are incredibly important. That I think is really both to the essence of who we are as disciples of Jesus, we need to lock in and, and hold fast to. Because if we don't, this is where the church does a ton of damage to each other and to the world. He says this, that to bear witness, to be a witness for Jesus is about the dependence and proximity to the Holy Spirit. That to be a witness, you need to be in dependence of the Holy Spirit and in proximity to the Holy Spirit. Like, what am I talking about? Like, think, think about this. When I'm bearing witness to Ashley, like, I am dependent in being in proximity to her, to being close enough to her in her life to know the things that are true about her that I can relay to somebody on the other side of the continent that doesn't know who she is. Right? And I am depending so much in that moment on the revelation of the Holy Spirit to sit and to be, to be able to bear witness. Right? The disciples, Jesus, their best friend is about to leave, and he says this, don't leave. Don't do anything on your own without the Holy Spirit. Is that good news? Because how many of us go into all these things? Students, how much do you go into quizzes, pop quizzes, and on your own power, not open book, have to like answer all the questions that are before you? Like, how awesome would it be if you're like, I'm a Christian, I depend on the Holy Spirit, so that gives me a free pass to do an open book test all the time. Like, that's literally what it's like to bear witness to Jesus. You have an open book test of testifying to one another and to others about who Jesus is. If you're dependent on the Holy Spirit, it's not about you doing it on your own. That he goes, and it's not just like if some people, like, I love this moment right here. It's the things that we don't read into it. He goes, that you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, he didn't just go like, hey, Peter, you know, James, John, Matthew, you get the Holy Spirit, but Thomas, you don't because you doubted me. Sorry, buddy. You get a half portion. Right? Like, the beautiful thing is the dependence on the Holy Spirit is that it's not dependent on you. Like, Jesus didn't come and say, like, hey, now I did a final test, and you came out, and, uh, you know, Peter, because you're the rock, you got an A+, plus, you get a full dosing, right? You who got B pluses, okay, you get a three, like, you know, 80%, and then you who's got a, a D that passed, you didn't fail, but you get like a 60% portion. Like, Jesus is saying the dependence is not on you, but the full laying down of the Holy Spirit is on you. But then also that other part of proximity. Like being in proximity to Jesus is, inc- is important. Bearing witness. Here's the thing. Bearing witness to Jesus and being a disciple is about putting yourself in proximity to the Holy Spirit. And you're like, how in the world do I do that? We talked about it a lot. It's by saying yes to the Holy Spirit 
to listening to that, that this dependence on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has rested upon you. Can you own that truth right now? That if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have claimed to say, I follow Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, that everything that I do is I surrender my life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit has rested upon you. And now to stay in proximity is an easy question that my mom always said that she, when, when I went out. She's like, say yes to Jesus, no to Satan. What well, our job is being witnesses and bearing witnesses is to say yes to the Holy Spirit more often than you say no. Right? And we said it a couple weeks ago that I don't want you to do it perfectly. I want you to do it a C plus. Get a 75. Let's, let's reject that 100% all the time. It ain't happening. Let's get a C plus. Which means 75% of the time when the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart to say something, to act some way, that you say yes to it instead of no. This is what it looks like as disciples to bear witness, to be in proximity to the gospel. To be in proximity to the Holy Spirit is to say yes more often than we say no. Because then this relationship happens, very important. It says you will receive... Right now, you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will be my disciples. Those are a relationship that can't be torn apart. That Jesus isn't saying that you can do one and not the other. Often we're the ones that say like, I can receive the Holy Spirit knowing who God is bearing witness to being true in my life, but I don't have to then be the witness. He's saying if you've received the Holy Spirit, then you will be my disciples and my witnesses. This is one of the most beautiful places that is bearing witness that we will be both dependent on it and in proximity to the Holy Spirit. And you think about that, what does that mean for us? Like, how do we translate that more than what we've talked about all, all you know, morning so far? Is there's this, and I'm going to be fully honest and transparent. Like, we often try to divide that. Like, what is that song, that, that kid song? I'm going I'm to say it over here. The kid song. Kids, help me with this. We've been talking about kid songs, right? Jesus loves me, this I know. Did you catch that, like, up there? Okay, you did? Kids, 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 kids. Stephen, help me with this. Gwen, can you help me with this? Do <laughs> uh, you know uh, Let It Shine? How does it go? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. Let it. Let it shine. Right? And then we love that. But then somehow I feel like writers know our hearts and knows the way that we go as disciples. What's the second verse go? Hot it under a bushel. Oh, no, no, that's not how it goes. It goes, hotter under a bushel, I'm going to be a bad witness. Hotter under a bushel, yep, I'm going to be a bad witness. Right? <laughs> no, how does it go? Hide it under a bushel? Hide it, what? Hide it under a bushel? I'm going to let it shine. Like, there's this funny thing. Like, I feel like sometimes I get targeted about my own life in children's songs or in children's books. Have you ever read children's books? And they're like, faith? I'm like, dang, I want to be that type of faithful. Right? The, the writer goes, he knows, like, I want, I want to tell you the truth, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. 
But what you're not going to do is hide it under a bushel. What you're not going to do is hide it under a bushel. Like, this is so funny. Our propensity to do that, or for maybe in this bumper, bumper sticker, would how many of you would love if I put that Pine Lake sticker on yours or the fish next to it, but in the, the putting it on your bumper sticker, I put a little button inside your car that allowed you at any time you wanted to just push that button and it would flip it around and it would just go back to normal. How many of you be pushing it all the time? I'm telling you, the moment I like drive out here, 228th, this is the worst street. I cut off somebody every time. And they're probably like, there goes that pastor, cutting me off, right? Like, I just want to be able to put that, turn it off and be like, shh, then I can speed. I can cut people off. I can wait till some of you, like the last minute, to take the exit and cut everybody that's been waiting in line for about 30 minutes. I can do all that and not be a bad witness. But then that moment that I'm like, oh, I feel like Jesus, I feel like I'm saying yes to the Holy Spirit, push that button, it flips back around, and that person that's been coming around and waiting, that has merged, you're like, hey, come on in. I love Jesus. Come on in. Like, I'm going to let everybody in. And the moment you have a little road rage, you push it, and you'll be like, I'll give you some of this, some of this, right? Like, this is literally, I feel like we, we're joking, but how true is this? in our life, in the children's story, that I'm going to let it shine. No, I'm going to hide it under a bushel. The one thing that I love about this is it says you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will be my disciples. Those words aren't you will receive the Holy Spirit and then do a whole bunch of things. That it says at all times you can't turn it off. Just like of that light. If like a candle doesn't just say that I'm going to choose when I light and when I shine. But by the essence of being what it is, a light, it shines bright. And what happens if you put it under a bushel? It won't shine. What else is going to happen? You put an open flame under a bushel, what's going to happen? Bad idea. Bad idea alert. You put it over a bushel, and guess what? It's going to burn up. How many of us in our lives have put our faith in our Christianity and our loving of Jesus under a bushel and burned our life up? Because we believe that what we can do by turning it on and off, that somehow shining like a candle is something that you turn on and off. And I know we can light it and, and turn it on and blow it out. But Jesus says, it's not that way. That you are the light of the world in my absence. You don't do light of the world. You are light of the world. Just as a candle can't change its essence of what it does, because it is who it is. That as you receive the Holy Spirit, you now are a witness. And the moment that you decide that it is something that moves you from who you are to what you do, you begin to burn your life up. Because you can't decide when to turn it on and turn it off. When you do, you do damage. All you do is muffle not what you do, but who you are. And this is when we get into all sorts of places of understanding, struggling with who we are and what we do. Because here is the truth. That it's the disciples were and you are God's plan A for this world. You're it. You and me, we're it. 
God said, I got one plan, plan A. We got no plan B. It's you. So what are you going to do about it? He already knew the best thing. Don't go anywhere. Wait for the Holy Spirit because you'll mess everything up. Wait for the Holy Spirit and then go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there's a couple of scriptures that I want just to end with that just guides our time. It says this in 1 Thessalonians. It says, Therefore we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not with just simple words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you know how we lived among you for your sake. The power that came was the Holy Spirit. The power which you bear witness is the Holy Spirit working in and through you to the world. That you don't bear witness and claim to be things. This is why you didn't go and turn. I didn't say, turn to the next person and tell them who you believe you think you are. People turn to you and say, this is who I know you are by how you live. It's not what you do, but who you are. And then it says this in 1 Timothy. That Timothy is um, um, a, a, a disciple of Paul who's trying to uh, mentor him and build him up as a pastor of this church. Paul is saying this to Timothy. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, our Lord, or of me as his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I hope you get this relationship. I have a fervent fear and respect for fire, especially in August in the Pacific Northwest. I don't want to be the cause of a wildfire. I don't want to be on the front page that says, Pastor causes wildfire. Don't attend Pine Lake. They don't care. I don't want to be that. I have a healthy fear because there is power in fire. There is power in the name of Jesus when you go out and you shine bright in the world. When you go and put yourself dependent on the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, out into the world next to people who don't know Jesus, you shine bright. You shine bright. You don't only shine bright and bring darkness or you bring light into the darkness, but the other thing about it is you bring warmth into very cold places. Like we're preparing, I, I know it's still summer and we, I shouldn't say this. Um, you can vote me out next week. But darkness is coming. Maybe this is why Jesus decided the Holy Spirit is going to come down as a flame of fire. So in dark places like the Pacific Northwest where it's cold and damp and dark, you should get near Christians because they shine bright and they warm. Maybe that should be the ethos of a who we are. Mm. There is not timid people, but powerful people. People who are not ashamed, but proclaim who they are. This is who we are. This is who we are. We don't hide under a bushel. We don't turn off and flip over our allegiances and our witness to Jesus. It is who we are. So in the midst of all that life is going on, my prayer for you this, this year and for us 
is that we choose to put our hand off the button that turns our Jesus off. And we take away our desire to put a bushel over the light that shines of who we are. Because you have received the Holy Spirit, so be the disciple. Would you pray with me? Father, from the moment you began to reveal who you are to us, God, you showed up in things like a flaming bush, a bright revelation, something so bright that we caused our eyes to turn away from you because we could not see the full goodness of who you are. But God, that changed in your son. That you said the full revelation is not only going to be embodied in Jesus Christ in the human form, but it will be given by the Holy Spirit to indwell in me. God, I just pray that we would talk for a second with you. We'd wrestle with the truth that the Holy Spirit, who is God, who stood before all creation, before time exists, who spoke everything to existence, all the beauty that we see in and around us right now, lives in me. Why do I try to hide it? What am I ashamed of? What am I worried about? Mm. The fullness of God lives in me. It lives in you. not so that you will cower in fear of it, but that you will have a reverence for it to know that you are made to flourish. You are made to become all that God has created you to be in the fullness God wants to see us full and flourishing, complete, whole, found in him. God, I pray for those who think it's not possible to be an inhabitor of the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to rest on them. God, I just pray that you will speak words that yes, you can. Yes, you can. The fullness of God can indwell and find a home in your life. Holy Spirit, fill this room. Fill this space between us.
be all-consuming. We ask this in your name. Amen.